0: what high school did you go to walter lutheran in Was merrill's park that's a uh, private school
1: yeah lutheran parochial so quote christian education parochial define that parochial is is christian christian values and okay. it's kind of based um from a church but it's not catholic so okay. lutheran is just a different denomination so they call it a parochial
0: school. new word alert I need to be saying that a couple times so it gets ingrained in my brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if they have a lot of, because a lot of the Catholic schools are um, closed or have closed by now because the churches didn't have, um, they just lost their membership over the years. And so people just aren't
0: not, following that Catholic tradition anymore. Right. Like, people are trying to. Right.
1: And there's not a lot of Lutheran schools out here. There's a, there's a few. There's one in Timothy Christian is in my neighborhood. There's a few here and there, but parochial school isn't what it used to be where people are like I'm going to send my child there so oh interesting
0: yeah sometimes there's just nothing left to say sometimes Kelly will say I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Hey, 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 what up, y'all? It is your girl, Kelly, and we're here on my podcast. Kelly talks Uh, I am super excited about today's episode I know you guys are so used to me having like this little rundown about my life and everything in the beginning of the episodes but lately I just haven't had time to write that out so I am so sorry but guess what you can do you can check out my vlog that's now on YouTube yep youtube.com forward slash Kelly Howard K-E-L-L-Y-E-H-O-W-A-R-D my vlog is officially up I've even posted two of them yep This is the second week, and I'm gonna post a whole bunch more because I'm gonna be traveling. So it's gonna be great. So check that out. But anywho, today in studio, we have a fantastic woman that is making headway in the industry with her stories and her performances. And it is amazing. I'm super excited she's here in the studio. And I want you guys to welcome her with your love, Miss RC Riley. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me, Kelly. I appreciate the uh, invite. Thanks for coming. No
1: problem.
0: This is great. So tell me a little, tell, tell people a little bit about what you do, because you and I met at a storytelling show. We were both telling stories. I heard a little bit about your journey. It was cool. And then I haven't seen you literally since. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's been a long time since then. So tell me a little bit about what you do.
1: So I do a few things. I do short stories. So around the city, storytelling is huge in Chicago. I don't know if Listeners um, tune in to the Moth Radio on NPR, mm-hmm. um, but they're short, five to ten minute stories um, with a clear beginning, middle, and end. So I go around monthly and tell different stories. Um, but then I also wrote a one woman show, and it's about an hour hour and fifteen minutes, and it walks through my life. Um, and what is it called? It's called Wrong Way Journey.
0: Wrong Way Journey, Yes, the
1: title is interesting. The story is interesting as well. I don't want to give away too much, but I will say this, that the story is really about the before and after of this traumatic event that I experienced. So it starts off um, really talking about how I grew up very naive. Both Mm -hmm. my parents are now Lutheran. My dad is now a pastor. I didn't grow up with him being a pastor, but um, he was definitely evangelical Lutheran. So very strict, um, kind of conservative views. Mm -hmm. But growing up in that environment, I didn't know any different. Right. My parents loved me very much. My parents have been married. Uh, they will be married 50 years next week. That is beautiful. Yes. Nice. Um, so I had a very sheltered but loving childhood. And then I kind of got to college, and when I tell you my eyes were, like, wide open, I cannot believe, I lived in an all-female dorm my freshman year. Uh-huh. And when I found out the girls were sneaking in, guys, I lost it. I, d- <laughs> I didn't know how to comprehend that. Was well, you like, I'm naive. telling.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. I'm like, ooh, I got a
1: secret. Um, So that's how naive I was going into college. Um, So things happened in college. You know, there was an adjustment period and everything And um, so the story kind of walks through this before period and then this after period and then finishes off my college career and a little bit right after college. So
0: nice. The
1: highs and lows of life um, in college and thereafter.
0: Now, did you have siblings growing up? Yes,
1: Yes. I still have siblings.
0: Yeah. So well, obviously, right? (laughs) did you have them growing up? Because (laughs) obviously when you got older, they're just gone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have three brothers. I actually have two older brothers. One is 10 years older than me. The next one is eight years older than me. And I have a younger brother who's three years younger than me.
0: Wow. So, yeah. so not only was your parents strict, but then you had these big brothers that kind of was like, yes. you're the only girl.
1: Well, the, the thing with that, though, that's interesting, is that because my brothers were so much older, we really didn't have tons of overlap. So my brother, who's a decade older than me, he was out the house. When 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 I was small, you know, he may have, like, pushed me around and messed with me a little bit. Um And but that need to be a protective
0: brother wasn't there yet because you were so tiny. Yeah, not
1: at all. And then um my middle brother, when I was in kindergarten, he was in eighth grade and we rode the bus together for a little bit and the about the. Only type of big brothering he would do is just make sure that I didn't miss our stop. So, <laughs> he wasn't really worried right. about that worried at about all. About them
0: girls, he was an eighth grade, right? Right. <laughs> I'm
1: quite sure. So, um,
0: so now, where did you grow up at?
1: I grew up in Maywood,
0: West Side of Chicago.
1: <laughs> West Side. So you from the Western, hood.
0: Western suburb?
1: To western right. suburb
0: now is there a nice part an of extension May- of the west side. is there a nice part of maywood because when i think maywood i just think west side i think you know right. what i actually people do, think right. when i think maywood yeah. do you remember the freak nick yes that they used uh-huh. to have on yes. in a, oh right. my god just <laughs> naked women and dudes with their dick out right. just walking through the street like it was crazy that's what I think. What right. I think Maywood. Right.
1: Of course. I. You know. Yeah. It's it's like an extension of the West Side, but you do have to get from the West Side. You have to pass through Oak Park to get to
0: us. That's very true. So Oak Park. Do you call Oak Park the West Side? I don't. See? I mean, it is West, See? but it's. But if you're mm-hmm. on Madison Street, you're kind of borderlining the West Side and right. Oak yeah. Park. So it can be right. It, okay. True.
1: True. I'm just thinking in terms of. Uh, you know, we think about the communities and. Basically, we kind of identify based on the racial makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, Oak Park is pretty mixed. We don't call that the city. Yeah. We, it's very clear that we say Oak Park. I mean, they have a Cooper's Hawk there now. Maywood wow. is not getting a Cooper's Hawk.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah, they built. They just wow. did it over
1: the summer. I think July was their grand opening.
0: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, being raised in Maywood, mm-hmm. but with very strict parents, it doesn't seem like you're West Side at all. So how did
1: that I was an inside kid, I will confess. Okay. Um yeah, the the friends that I grew up with that I went to grade school and high school with. So majority of the people um who I grew up with, we went to school together from kindergarten through 12th, 12th grade. Okay. Um so we know each other's first, middle, last names. We know phone numbers from back in the day. We all call each other's parents every now and again. Right now remember those phone numbers.
0: You, know? you went to a private <laughs> school?
1: It was parochial. So um it was a Lutheran school. Okay. Um, in Merrill's Park. And so, um, yeah, I was an inside kid. I really didn't hang out and do things that most people in the neighborhood did. I never went to Freak Um, and I I, I didn't either. I just knew about it. Yeah, but everybody knew about it. Who didn't know about it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what
0: did you do in your spare time, then, if you didn't hang out, if you didn't go anywhere?
1: By the time I got to high school, I was playing the violin pretty well. I played for the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra. So after school... Um, after whatever activities, track or basketball or whatever, then just took that violin downtown, went to rehearsal, came home and practiced. So that was pretty much what I did um, during the week when I was in high school. Oh, wow. And you know what? High school was, was good. Those are like the best four years of my life. What? Great. Right? The, the best four consecutive years of my life. <laughs> okay. Let, let me back that up. Yes, I, do, I wouldn't so want to be What made
0: so great? What made high school so great? You know, just being sc- able to...
1: High school was just easy. There were no worries. Um, you know, like I said, my parents were very protective. And so they kept my world so innocent and so small that I didn't even think there was harm in the world. So it was just that you can't go back to that. You know, once you come out of that na- naivete, you can never go back.
0: Some people can see that as being a bad thing, though, right? Because now true. when you get out in the world, you're like,
1: "This oh, is true. What is this world?" Th- that is true. There definitely has to be a balance. Um, but I think for me, at that time, it was great because I got to just be a kid. That's I didn't true. have any other responsibilities,
0: and a lot of kids aren't able to do that. Right
1: nowadays, that's tough. I mean, kids have to work so early. I worked in the summers, but really, I worked because I wanted to. It wasn't because I needed to help my family um, out with things so much. So yeah, and I was. Very active in school. I was student body president. I was cheerleading captain. You know, played on other sports teams. So all of that
0: kind of consumed my time in high school and made it great. You were active. Yeah. Did you know in high school that you wanted to be a writer and a performer, or did you kind of have your eyes set on being a violinist? Or where were you? I wanted to be. And don't
1: even laugh. I'm (laughs) not. I'm gonna gonna laugh laugh at myself. And it's not anything to really laugh at, except for I know my history. I wanted to be a world-renowned neurosurgeon world renowned yes world renowned like that I put that in my application to Northwestern and every other school I want to be a world renowned neurosurgeon I know that's right now I don't know why I want to be world renowned but my mother worked in a neurosurgery department at Loyola okay for my whole life she started working there um right after she gave birth to me and so
0: my whole life I knew about her working in neurosurgery so um so it more wasn't your dream it was just following the path of your mother like oh I I admire her
1: I think it was more of that was really the only career that I really knew about Mm -hmm. like I would go to the hospital a lot to visit her um you know my dad would go and take us to pick her up from work um so she introduced us to the chief of neurosurgery things like that so that was the only real career I knew of but you did ultimately
0: end up working in the hospital you're right (laughs)
1: you're right I went to school to be pre-med because I thought I wanted to be a world-renowned neurosurgeon so I was pre-med and um first year chemistry girl that weeded me out so fast (laughs)
0: He was like nope not world-renowned like Mm, I'd be a local mm, neurosurgeon mm, mm, mm,
1: (laughs) there was no way it was that chemistry and that calculus and I was thinking this is not gonna cut it it's that's not gonna happen for me um but it wasn't a depressing thing it was just like okay that's all right that's
0: not it there's other things to do around here so and so yeah. then you end up going into what?
1: Um, let me see. You know, in college, you switch your major. So you so graduate, I'm saying you graduated oh, I with a degree. I graduated with a degree in social policy and um, education, education and social policy. Um, Did you think you were going to be a teacher? No. I thought that I was really going to be working um, in the field of psychology, but really working to change policy. So,
0: yeah. And is that somewhat what you do now at the hospital?
1: No, at the hospital right now, I'm in performance improvement. Um, And so after I got my undergrad degree, after some years of working in a hospital in clinical research for a long time, I realized that um, I really didn't want to be a psychologist and see patients. I don't have that type of patience Mm -hmm. to just sit there. Um, In the graduate program, we were, we had um, an internship, a practicum or whatever, and We were listening to people's issues, and week after week, this lady kept telling me the same problem. And I was like, didn't we decide on what we were going to do with this problem last week? So I'm trying to figure out why you haven't done that. So I'm just listening, and I'm thinking, no, I, I really can't do it. I cannot sit here and listen to somebody have the same issue. So I switched to industrial organizational psychology. Um, that's a pretty broad field, but basically um, it led me to performance improvement. And because I had that background in the hospital, I decided I want to go and work within performance improvement in the hospital. Now, so, what
0: led you to start writing and performing? Good like, question. So that, none of that has anything to do with where you are today. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, so this will be edited out. So uh, <laughs> all of that I was just jibber-jabbering about, right? <laughs> now, so I think it's just because um, even when I was in college and pre-med, I loved to read. And okay. then I loved to read, so then I also loved to write.
0: Right. It's and, just kind of hand in hand.
1: Right. For me, it was. Uh-huh. And I I just always loved to read and write. And so I knew that I would ultimately write, but I thought it was going to be writing for publication, which I did do um, when I worked at the University of Chicago. Um, So I'm a published research author, co-author. So I did write in that sense. So I knew whatever I did, it would entail writing in some form or fashion, but I thought it would be in academia. Mm How many books do
0: you read a year? If you don't mind me,
1: you know what? Nowadays, I don't even pick up hardcover books anymore, or even download them, just because of all the things I'm doing in this world and in my life right now. So I don't even I don't even read a book from cover to cover. Like I have three books that I started, but (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) have three books, but um, but yeah. So I just started writing, and then I was going through um, therapy for this trauma that I went through and the therapist suggested that I just Let's journal. talk about
0: that so that they understand that what, yes. when you say so, this trauma.
1: Right. So um, when I was in, when I was a freshman a sophomore in college, I was sexually assaulted. Um, and it was a friend was well, somebody I considered a friend. Uh-huh. We went to school together, high school together. And um, he came over to, you know, hang out. I hadn't seen him in a while. And um, at the time, some of the things he was saying, um, I didn't pay attention to, but in hindsight, it had to have been set up like you yeah. had to have planned that night. That's what was going to happen. Right. And so of course that's devastating. You don't expect that to happen with Absolutely. a friend. Um, and so it took some years, but I ended up, um, you know, going to therapy, getting some help that I needed emotionally and one of the therapists suggested that I journal at the time I wasn't quite ready but after I graduated I started just writing every little thing that happened in the day Mm -hmm. so I would just wake up and write I just woke up like that's just what I would do do you still do that no I don't write like that about I, I write all day every day but not Journaling right. like that. I don't, okay. I don't journal anymore. Um, And so I would just write and write and write. And people would always ask me, are you writing a book? What are you doing? Because I would have my journal with me all day and just fly through things. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I realized that all the stories that I had, all the things that happened in my life, which I didn't even consider stories, just all the things that were going on in my world, when I would talk to people at work and whatnot, they would say, oh, my gosh, your life should be a movie. And i was like, it's not that interesting. But during my... Um, healing, there were a lot of things that happened in my life. For instance, I went through a period, of course, of blaming myself for what happened. I went through a period of really shunning all of my friends. But then I also went through a period of trying to get back at the, the person who did this to me. Not literally, but I thought that by taking control sexually, that I could then um, somehow
0: regain my sense of self. Um, Elaborate on that. So when you say taking control sexually, you became more promiscuous, or I, uh, promiscuous period. Yes.
1: <laughs> um. And I ended up every male that I came in contact with that I thought was trying to hit on me in my mind, I thought they were setting up to rape me.
0: Gotcha. And um, because this sexual assault wasn't just him fondling you; he f- he fully penetrated you. Right. That's yes. Okay.
1: So so I just when I would see people, if they would like smile or, you know, how men, straight men, you know, respond to what they assume is straight women, um, they, you know, will flirt. So whenever somebody would flirt in my, my mind just went to, he's setting it up to rape you. And so what I would do then is turn the tables. And as soon as I saw that I would kind of get their attention and then be overly flirty mm-hmm. and literally take them back to my place and like, you know, just whatever type of aggressive thing I could think of, and it's interesting because, of course, for men, this isn't pain or anger in their mind. That's eternal. That's
0: kinky, right? Right. It's kinky, yeah. right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. For them, it's kinky. Yeah. So, um, while initially I thought I was gonna hurt somebody, it doesn't work that way for your average straight man. He's right. Th- that's like, oh yeah, I like that. Um. So it never really got me what I was seeking after because nobody was ever afraid. Yeah. Nobody was ever hurt by that. Nobody was crying. (laughs) Nobody. The men were like, yeah, baby, you going to see me again? Right. They like, can I call you? Right. Right. So, um, that went on for a while. That's very
0: interesting that the assault, Pushed you in a direction of wanting to be more sexual versus it. Well, it wasn't that to... I wanted to be sexual. No, it wasn't the intention. So I wanted of being, the power. Yeah, the power of being right. sexual. Right. So, yeah. so the sex was just a conduit for the
1: power. Yeah. That's all it's about anyway. With sexual assault, it, it could have been any other tools. You know, somebody could torture somebody, but their their penis is just the weapon in that situation. So yeah. it's really about power. Um, but yeah, because I mean, during the act, I would zone out. I wouldn't even be there. So I don't even. If somebody asked me what size was he, I don't know. I, don't, right. I have no clue. That wasn't my whole thing was I am going to hurt him in the way that I was hurt. Um, so after a while, because I kept thinking maybe I didn't do it right. So now I got to I gotta get a whip out. Now I got to get handcuffs. Now I got to get um, oh, so some hot wax. Full I was going straight down my mattress. Yeah. I re- <laughs> yep. And so I'm thinking that this is going to scare them. Mm-hmm. This is where growing up all naive did not help right. <laughs> at all because then I would have known that this is only, you know, heightening the experience for them. Yeah. So long story short, went through all of that. And one day it was like, nothing I do makes me feel the way that I felt. Well, no, that's not the case. I won't say that. There was uh, one situation. Um, there was one guy, he was a quieter guy, smaller than me. In that time, that might actually been the first time I did feel like I thought I was like, yes, I feel empowered. Like I took control that he didn't rape me because in my mind, I beat him to it. Like before he had a chance to take it from me, like I did things on my terms. Yeah. So um, but then after that, it was like, this really isn't what I'm trying to do because I'm not getting that feeling. I'm not feeling like they're hurt. Now, None was of this them feel before like before therapy, or was this? This was before therapy. Okay, okay. Um, and I was leading a double life. I kid you not. Like I grew up, um, was training classical violin, went to this parochial school, was going to Northwestern. People thought one thing. You know, grew up in a strict household and everything. And I was leading this other life where I was promiscuous, and and it just was too totally. Nobody knew this about me. It was a totally secret life. Oh wow! Like not one person in my world knew
0: this um now you kept saying um straight men straight women and most people don't distinguish that they just say men or women is there a reason why you are specifying well I
1: don't identify as straight but because I'm very feminine people assume that I identify as straight what and do you identify? I identify as queer and for me what that means is that um it doesn't matter what your genitalia is when I meet you it's who you are. So if you're transgender, that doesn't matter to me. If you are intersex, that doesn't matter to me. If you are non-gender conforming, I don't care. Um, I mean, I would prefer not to date somebody who has a penis, but, um, I'm not going to say that. I would say, um, as a rule, I can't deal with them. I've dated men all my life and I've dated women. So, and I've, I have not seriously dated somebody who is transgender or intersex, but I've certainly been friends with both. So Now,
0: mm-hmm. when you say you would prefer not to date someone who has a penis, why does the penis, why is that a factor? Is it just you don't like sex with men? or uh, It's definitely,
1: I'm sure, because of the assault. So I was attracted to women before the assault, but I didn't have any issues with a man necessarily. But I, I didn't have a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say that for me... I'm still working on that issue of the penis being seen as a weapon. Got you. And it's probably going to be a lifelong struggle for me, which is why I don't want to say I'm ruling out men because I know that it's because of that trauma. Yeah. Because it's not that I have an issue with, uh, you know, a man in general. It's not like
0: you don't enjoy sex. It's just that. Or maybe you don't enjoy it.
1: Right. I don't with a man, that intercourse. So you're talking about using the penis. Because that not. is
0: still, in your mind, classified as a weapon. It, At least that's what
1: you think. It is difficult for me to be in that moment and just be in that moment and not feel like at any given moment that's going to be a weapon. Right. So mm-hmm. that's just the challenge that I have. But I recognize that. Um, and I'm very open with people about that. So most of the people that... I've dated over the years, to be quite honest, um, have been much older than me. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated from college, I, I was, uh, this gentleman, he called me 21 plus one. So I was 22 and he was, <gasps> I was, we were celebrating his 50th birthday. Um, <laughs> so for me, I dated a lot of older men because I was safe. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you, Kelly, they were impotent. And so that, that part wasn't a threat. They also served as a a protector because they were so much older. It was almost like a father figure. Um, So there was a lot of comfort in that. Mm. And and I don't know how. I think you just put this energy out there into the world and you get it back. Because I did not seek out older guys. It just happened. So after one older guy, um, two of them died on me. Um, Then I met another one. How much older would this? So when I was 22, one was 50. So when I was 20... But the ones that passed away, like, how old were they? So they died before they made 55. Oh, okay, 55. so they weren't, like,
0: 80 and 90. They were just... No.
1: Okay. <laughs> so different circumstances. One yeah. of them was held up at gunpoint. Oh, no. Getting gas. And the other one um, died because he had... Uh, well, he was an alcoholic, so the liver. The cirrhosis of the liver. Wow. But yeah. So those were kind of my dating experiences um, with men. It was mostly older, older guys. Uh And I felt very safe and comfortable there.
0: Now, how did your family feel about you identifying as queer? Was that something you knew all throughout growing up? Because you said you were attracted more to women. You said that in college, even before the assault. So this is something that had been churning in your mind anyway.
1: Right. So when I was, you know, I don't know how old you are when you first go through puberty, what, 9, 10 or whatever. But um, I was probably a late bloomer. But when I was in high school, um, and this is another reason why my friends, when I talk to them today, they're like, we never would have thought this because you are a naturally flirty person. I'm friendly with everybody. But I tell people to this day, if you watch me and how I interact with an 80-year-old woman, it's the same way I interact with a 50-year-old man. I'm hugging and kissing on everybody because, for me, I just – I. The way that I feel about people, human beings in general, is really about that energy. Because there's so much to a person that you don't realize when you meet them. It's so much deeper than their gender or their race. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just, I love people. I really do. And I always have. So I was in high school and I had a crush on a Hispanic girl. And I didn't tell anybody initially because I was trying to figure it out myself like mm-hmm. what is this um and then one day i told uh one of my best friends and she laughed she thought i was joking so we were going to the school where we had religion class every day where we you know, and actually as the student body president i was the one leading devotion every morning on a loudspeaker so for her i was kind of like this is that's absurd you know we're taught that homosexuality is a sin and that yeah. sort of thing so I'm quite sure at the time she probably was like, that's not even possible. People aren't born like that. So she probably thought it was just not possible. So she laughed it off. Um, And she never brought it up again, and I didn't bring it up again, and I didn't understand what it meant. Then I went to camp, the infamous band camp. I went to orchestra camp. For real band camp. Okay, I went to Interlocking Center for the Arts in Michigan. And, um, you know, I was there in a cabin with other ladies, and it was one particular girl who I just crushed on really hard. And it was funny because the thing that drew me into her was her hair. She was white. She had this thick red hair. I have no clue why I was interested in her hair. But um,
0: I think for me that was just,
1: I I don't know. It just Did you
0: actually come out to her? Like, did you guys have a thing? No, I I, I didn't didn't know what that meant,
1: really. I had a dream about her, Mm -hmm. um, and I was really sexually aroused, so that was the first time I had thought about another person and got sexually aroused. Okay. Um, But I didn't say anything to her because I just didn't have any words for what that was. Yeah.
0: Um, So when did you come out to your parents that this?
1: I came out to my parents when I had a commitment ceremony with, a woman and that was when I was 27 years
0: old so you married a woman at seven yeah 27 well it wasn't legal back then but yeah okay yeah. so, so you, that's when I came out you came out like hey you guys are invited to this thing I'm doing or was like I met this woman that I'm really into and we want to make this official right are the latter so it
1: was um maybe about a year earlier I introduced them to her and she was a stud. She wore only men's clothing. So clearly they knew. I I mean, I walked in to tell them, I don't know if they had seen her on the street, they probably would have thought she was a guy. They wouldn't have even assumed that she was a woman. Wow. Um, like she no, she did not wear the only thing that she wore that you buy in like the women's section was like a sports bra. That's it. Everything else was men's clothing, socks, pants, everything. um, So I introduced them to her and told her that, told my parents, um, and I believe my, my younger brother as well, that I was in love with this woman and I was going to spend the rest of my life with her and that I was going to have a commitment ceremony and, um, yeah, they they had a real hard time. I ended up being estranged from my family for a while. There were some very harsh words spoken. They
0: didn't come to the commitment ceremony. They
1: ended. My parents ended up showing up, and it's funny because there's this line in my show where I wrote, uh, "My parents uh, finally showed, if not only to see if not to see their only daughter wed the woman of her dreams, then to see an entire church burn to the ground by one stroke of lightning." My mother thought the church was gonna burn to the ground. She was in the front. Ah! Was she? <laughs> she shouted in the middle of the ceremony. She really thought. She really believed that, that this was a sin that, that God, God, God would was going to really strike and... somebody down for. Wow. Um, but. I mean, that's that's what she believes. So I'm not if you believe it that strongly,
0: then OK. Right. More power to you. Right.
1: So um, and, and it's interesting, too, because although I identify as queer and all this stuff, I am my relationship with God is my first and most important relationship. So some people have um, challenged me and asked, how is it that you can believe that homosexuality is right and be a Christian? And it's like, how can you not? Because I believe that humankind was created in God's image. We are in the likeness of God. I don't believe that God has a penis or a vagina. When you pray and say, dear Heavenly Father, you say, Father, because that's what we were taught. And that was, you know, the patriarchy of that time. Do you really believe that this entity that you call God has a penis?
0: Right. Really? I doubt that. Of all all genitals, just he has a penis. Right. Now, this
1: this is an entity. A non, you know, it's not a person. Jesus is a person. Right. Of course, you get that Jesus was a man, right? But God, I don't believe God is either male or female. And I believe that God created humankind to be all that we are with these differences. And it doesn't make sense to me that people can believe that you cannot be born gay. So why can you, why is it? a possibility that, that you're born straight, but it's not a possibility for you to be born gay. That part doesn't click for me. That just lacks common sense. Because yeah. we can be born with so many differences. Like a child, you you might not ever introduce a child to a particular food, and then the first time they try it, they might not like it. And they right. may grow up and be an adult and never like that. But they didn't see it on TV. You like the food, so it's not as though you showed them that you're not supposed to like that particular food. We have different um, tastes we have different levels of attraction to colors to all types of things but yet that one area is going to be cut off we're not going to have different levels of attraction to each other but we can when it comes to everything else in this world that's
0: just silly right so now that relationship ended up failing correct it did yeah we're not together now how long were you together after you got married we
1: were together for a few months and I would say that that was That was the beginning of the end. We had very different expectations of what married life should be. Very, very different. Okay. So we had lived together for several years prior to us saying, I do. I thought we had a wonderful life. um, And I'm quite sure she did as well. And um, we just, once we said I do, in my mind, you were supposed to act a certain way. You're supposed to do certain things. And we... What do you mean by that? So, I thought that when you... So, I changed my last name and everything, right? So, um, that when you became... Did you change it back or was her last name Riley? No, I changed my name back. Oh, you changed it back. Right. Okay. Um, So, I thought that, like, all your money was supposed to be in one pot. And that you were supposed to do everything together. I thought you were supposed to run every single thing by the other person. I had all these ideas. And she kept saying to me, it's no different than how we've been all this time. Like, we've been fine. We don't need to change how we've been functioning. And I mm-hmm. kept saying, no, but, but we're married now. I have your last name. Like, we, we have to do things this way. And she kept trying to tell me, no, we don't. Like, we, we're perfectly fine. And I just couldn't get that out of my head. I just thought, for some reason, that you were supposed to live by different rules, and so that was a source of contention in our relationship. Uh, uh, that was a a big a big deal for me because I kept carry thinking, that burden
0: of blame because of that. Like, why the relationship failed, or mm. I guess so. Your response just told I, me yes. Like, <laughs> uh. Um. So I don't know. That's loaded. That's a of question because I call myself Oprah Robbins Jr. That's okay. like what I seek to. <laughs> That'd be my plan a lot of the time. Okay, I want to get you thinking. So, so you want an answer today? I would like an answer. Okay, you, so you can you repeat you. the question, please? Well, do, do you do you carry? that burden of blame of like, I changed. I wanted, I had all these expectations for this woman. Things were good. But then I came with, well, now we're married. It needs to be this way. Do you feel like you pushed her away? Do you feel like, or was it already something that just wouldn't have worked anyway, just because you guys had different values or views? I think we would have
1: been together much longer had, had I been a little more mature. Okay. About, the way that in which relationships work yeah so
0: yeah there needs to be some flexibility and right commitment and understanding and compromise yeah. and that's something really but I mean, you don't we, learn that at that age not to cut you off it's, it's i mean you can learn it at that age but that's something that like i've had to even discover right. being 35 years old in my marriage it's still stuff that comes up and i'm like no right. it should be this way and then i'm like or not, or maybe right. we need to compromise and, and see where both individuals are coming from because 99.9% of the time, it's not a n- malicious intent right? for why mm-hmm. they want things to be a certain mm-hmm. way. It's just the way that their perception is versus your perception, right. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But
1: there's a lot going on there to unpack because really I, I have a child and I'll share that my child is a product of that relationship. So she wanted a child so badly. She wanted, there was nothing in this world that, that she wanted more than for us to be married and for us to raise a child together. And I remember when the relationship was um, kind of, it, it, it wasn't going to make it. I was thinking, I, I can't even... I don't know what to say to fix this because I only had the tools that I had. Right, right. If you got a hammer and some nails, and that's it. But you need a screwdriver. Well, you just gonna try to use that hammer and see what happens, right? right. Um, And so, um, I just I felt like if I have a baby, the baby that she wants, that it will fix everything. And a lot of women think like that, right? Straight and straight relationships, women regular do it every relationships, single women do day. A lot, yes. And for me, I was so I was like, okay, I was like crazed, manic. I was like, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. So, um,
0: so how did this baby right? So, conceived? so
1: I'll tell you. Let me back up first. So, um, let me see. So we had our ceremony in August. She gave me baby booties the Mother's Day before, so May. So that lets you know how much she wanted a child. So she was like giving me baby booties On before Mother's Day, right? So in May, and it was we weren't even gonna say I do till August. She wanted, like I still had those baby booties. She was not playing. She wanted to have a baby. So um, we had taken several of our male friends, our closest male friends, out for drinks and dinner. I know it sounds crazy, but we were wooing them. Definitely. We were like steak and whiskey, <laughs> Get girl. you nice and lit. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when we got questions. <laughs> I mean, steak.
1: We had them with a full stomach and they sent it back like, okay, you know, one at a time, of course. What's going on? You know, why the dinner and everything. And then um we asked, we took out, I think, three or four guys out and, you know, we just asked them if they would father our child. Um, and each of them said no, but for very good reasons. Like I wasn't upset or offended or anything. They had they had very good reasons. Um, so they said no. My ex was very disappointed, but I understood. That's a big decision to bring a child into this world. Even if we're saying you don't have to care for the child and we'll handle that. That's still a big deal. Yeah. And the other thing is I wasn't ready to have a kid, just Uh to be honest. Put it out there. eh, I wanted wanted to do that for her because I loved her. But um, I wasn't.
0: You didn't really want. It wasn't. No. Did you ever want kids?
1: I thought that when I got older, like 50 And I'd be well into my career. Damn.
0: Very much established. 50. That I would adopt children. (laughs) Okay, adopt. This was my... I I thought that I would do that. Adopt works for me. When I was like 50, I'm like, who's birthing a baby at 50? mm, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Holly Berry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So... Um, so so how did the, so your friend said no, then how did this baby come about? Yeah, so it was,
1: so the first few friends, so another friend of ours, um, without going into too much detail, we ended up the old fashioned way, which was the original plan. Anyway, we were both going to be there. Um, and. Oh, actual penetration sex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, it was not a big deal actually, because the way we had planned it, of course, it was going to be people closest to us. they ended up not being one of those people closest to us, but that's neither here nor there. And um it was just, I mean, just put it in and come and then hope I get pregnant. And I actually did didn't it work think the it first was gonna I didn't think it was going to, but it did. Oh, like wow. I, I didn't think yeah, I didn't think I was pregnant at first, but I was reading the the um, the testing correctly. So then like two weeks later or whatever I went to the doctor when I was pregnant. Wow. So look at there. I called her and I was so thrilled because now I'm thinking, so all she has to do is move back in. Like, some of her stuff is still here. Oh, so this was after here. the breakup. It was after the breakup. But, you know, people break up. People separate and okay. people get back together. So I'm thinking, like, some of her stuff is still here. Like, it's not really over. So I um, ended up um, calling her and I just, like, blurted the announcement on her voicemail. And um, she never called me back and I just was waiting for the call and then the guy I hadn't really we didn't talk on a regular basis anyway I wasn't that close to him to be honest she was more of a friend of to him than I was but we ended up um like a couple of months later he checked in with me and so he was like so how's it going are you guys back together you guys buying baby clothes what are you gonna name the baby like he was you know trying to find out all these details And I was like, no, we haven't picked out a name. He was like, oh, well, you got plenty of time and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, no, I haven't actually heard from her. He was like, what do you mean?
0: And you still hadn't at that point, months later.
1: No, so I hadn't heard back from her. So I went over to her family's house. So now I'm showing. So I went over to her family's house and, um, you know, I was like,
0: you know, I'm having
1: our baby. What's up? And they were like, well. She she really wanted to have a baby, so she'll come around. Like, her family kept telling me, one of her aunts, she was like, she'll come around. So her aunt and I would, like, talk about, you know, the baby and get all excited and stuff like that. So I'm excited because some of her family was excited with me. Right. But I still hadn't heard back from her. So um, long or short of it, I never heard back from her. So it, it was real. You still haven't heard back from her. No, well, I will say that after he was born, like a a year or so after he was born, um, I did reach out to her, send her an email, and she replied back, and she just said, um, you know, maybe we can connect sometime. It was like a one-sentence kind of thing, but she didn't, so... um, How old is the baby now? He's 12. Oh, wow. This was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I... We obviously didn't get back together or anything. And that plan was like, I tell anybody, oh, don't do it. Uh-uh. <laughs> because the problem was I had to come to the grips that I was about to be a single mother when I really wasn't even trying to be a mother at all. Yeah. you know. <laughs> so it took me, I would say it took about seven years for me to come to grips with the fact that I was a single parent like that. Mm. I had a really hard time. We struggled a lot. Um, it was around seven or eight, and I remember I went to um, a therapist, and, well, we went to therapy together for some stuff, and we were having so many issues. And I was like, there's some serious anxiety in our household, and somebody's not going to make it. Like I, And I told the therapist, I said, you know, I literally want, and I'm sure other parents feel this, like I wanted to drop my kid off at the fire department. You know, you could leave your kid at the fire department. That's supposed to be a safe space or safe whatever yeah i think
0: they gotta be like under six weeks though (laughs)
1: like you was
0: gonna drop him off at eight right (laughs) yeah and so i'm like and that was the thing
1: so it's like it it became a joke because it was like well if i drop him off he can walk back home right and at the time (laughs) the fire department was literally kitty corner to where we lived yeah so i was like but i can't i don't think i can mother a child right and so the therapist was like but he's eight so what have haven't you been, you been mothering a yeah. child? I was like, not really, because we were living with my folks because I wanted help from them. So um, at this point, we weren't living with them anymore. And I was just like, I can't do this. So I was reaching out to people and I was like pleading with them. I'm like, I, I, I really think that you need to take my child because I cannot do this. So my godmother um, and God put these people in your life for a reason. She talked to me and she was like, whatever you need. Like she wasn't she did not hesitate. She was like, if you need to bring him over here right now, bring him over. It's going to make me teary-eyed now because she didn't even say, you're a bad mother. She just you shouldn't feel it. this way. She was like, okay, I get it. And so by her saying that, it ended up um, with us going out there and having a conversation. I think she was like, to be honest with you, even if this weren't your situation, mothers feel like that. Just yeah. being a parent, you're going to feel like that. Yeah. So she kind it of normalized hard. everything
0: yeah. for me. Yeah, it gets hard. I was yeah. a single mother all the way up into nine. Okay. Our daughter... My, yeah, it was like eight or yeah. nine when they met, when I met my husband. So yeah. it was like that same energy of just trying to... And I had my my mom in my life, you know, but right. at the end of the day, I'm still an artist and I want to create and I want to go yeah. out and travel and do what all the other comedians are doing. And right. I don't want to be here taking care of this fucking kid. Right, right, like, right. that's how I felt. Right. So it does feel like that sometimes. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. Yeah. So uh, he... And
1: the funny thing is, so um, the last few years... I have been so, and he looks just like me too. So people are like, there's no way you could have dropped him off anywhere. And he would not have been like, it would have been a boomerang. He would have came right back to you. He <laughs> looks exactly like me. Wow. Um, but he is so, he's just, he's a great kid. He mm-hmm. really is. So it's not hard to parent him. Because he's a good kid. Now,
0: does he understand the situation? Did you tell him about his father and how he even was conceived?
1: So, not entirely. We're slowly getting to all of that. Although, he may listen to this podcast to find out. Who knows? But <laughs> I'm um, going to forward it to him. I'm kidding. Right. <laughs> I will not do that. <laughs> so, I mean, slowly. Because, um, for instance, I didn't date women for uh, over a decade. Um, so, a lot of people, and I understand why they were like, oh, I just assume you were straight because I never heard of you dating a woman and and I would understand that because my I'd live with my parents to get help with my child and they were um against homosexuality so just one of those unspoken kind of rules or kind of signs of respect that if I'm going to live in their house and this is not what they agree with I can't really date somebody um and that was fine for me because for me it was about not if I had have gotten them upset about that situation, we might not have um, been in contact like we had been estranged in the past. And that would have left my son with only me. Yeah. So no grandparents on either side, you know, no cousins, nobody, just me. And that would not have been fair. So I'm, I made sure that whatever he needs, is, if that's what he needs to be emotionally stable and make sure that he has his grandparents in his life, then that's what
0: he's going to have. Now, and, the father that, that did the uh, conception with you, is he president did, did he start coming around or did it kind of fade away for a
1: lot of reasons i'm not going to go into anything with the father
0: okay um but yeah sorry listeners <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very interesting it's an interesting I story need court, i don't need yeah. hey hey legalities i feel you um, this has been an interesting chat. So a lot of your writings and things is about all is of this. about all of this.
1: All of this. So all the short stories, you get a glimpse of um, how I was feeling when I felt like I couldn't parent. Um, um, you get a lot of me trying to balance the time where I wasn't dating women on purpose and kind of how I felt during that time period because it was a preference. for my child. Um, it was a decision made that my son
0: needs to come first. But I'm saying, like, dating women at that time was a preference versus just being with a, with a guy. Like, that was you something mean? you thats something you would have preferred to do is date women. Well, yeah, because I would have wanted to date, period. Like, pay, date so you whoever didn't date I wanted at all. to date. Well,
1: I dated I dated older men. I did date during that time, and I dated other people. But okay. that was – so my it was all about my son needing to have that type of father figure – in that type of stability, mm-hmm. um, but for me, the last person that I dated, who I really wanted to date, was my ex. Right, and so anything after that, there was a reason. And the guys that I dated during that time understood that. Um, they were very clear about their
0: role. In That's that very admirable of you to have made those choices for your son. It's very selfless about that. Well, I mean, it was it was very selfless. To say this is what I have to do. I can put what I want and desire on the back burner for the sake of raising him because this is a choice I made, you know. But it's I like think owning that
1: up. it's more of I don't think it was so much admirable as it was a part of I'm a, I am a—I can be a very disciplined person. And what I found during my lifetime is that when I say I want to do something, I can do it. And that's really what happened. I said that I wanted my child to come first, and so I did it. It wasn't really like, I'm trying to be whatever. It was literally, I'm a disciplined person, and I know that in order to get to this goal, these are the things that I have to do. So I had a goal, and these are the things I had to do. Because now, I'm teaching my son. So my son doesn't think, he'll say, yeah, my mom's queer. That's not a big deal to him. Mm -hmm. If I married a woman tomorrow, that's fine with him. Um, But he clearly understands that that's not okay with his grandparents. So... But when he was younger, that might have been very tough for him to see. I know it would have been tough for him to see that I, his grandparents and I disagreed so strongly about something like that. So, like, right now that he's older, and that boy, he listens to NPR all day. So anything that's going on in the world, he knows. Oh, wow. That's so He's amazing. like, look, Obama said uh, LGBTQIA can get married, so <laughs> go ahead and get married and, <laughs> you know, let's
0: pop some bottles. <laughs> now, does your parents' disapproval still influence whether or not you date women today? No, it's all about my child. Okay. I, yeah, yeah.
1: My son's old enough now that we, we have real conversations about everything. I mean, That's there's beautiful. no topic that is off limits. Um, now, I realize I should probably pull back because I'm so comfortable. Um, like when we're at the doctor's office, you know, they'll say, like, go pee in a cup. And I hate for people to say, like, call a penis a wee-wee or something like that. And so I'll be like, you know, explaining things and using the word penis. And I could tell he's like, okay, mom, you're like way too comfortable <laughs>
0: Just like go, go, what do they say? Wee wee at the doctor?
1: Sometimes they'll say things like pee pee or put your this or your oh, private take a tinkle, or something or, yeah. like that. Yeah, and I never really was into that kind of thing because it's just a b- part of the body. Yeah, no don't dumb for down the to, subject. Yeah, right. Or there's no reason for you to. That's why people feel so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you make it seem like there's something wrong like you call your face your face you don't say oh that thing that's on the top of your head you know you use the right word for it so why would you just say vagina or penis that's those are not curse words right so yeah
0: wow so ultimately what do you want to do with your career
1: um so my daytime career I love it I'm I'm still like going to continue with performance improvement within the hospital um and then with my one woman show um So I'm touring the show right now around college campuses. I hope to get some more campuses on the books and continue to kind of perform my show out of state, so all across the nation, um, and lead more discussions about um, sexual violence and about how to have topics about um, issues of sexuality with our children. Because I think the only way really to prevent those things from happening is to talk about them, be very open, as opposed to keeping our kids naive.
0: Is there a book in your future?
1: um that's how the one woman show started actually i started writing a book and realized that i couldn't (laughs) get through everything so i had all these short vignettes and they ended up being a a one woman show but yeah so definitely definitely
0: all right well i think we are at the final four and four which is four questions in four minutes uh so i'm gonna set the timer right now for that and haven't you already asked questions no these Uh are different these aren't like Questions about you. They are, but they're oh, not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Um.
1: To read people's minds. Oh, so you nosy. It's not that. <laughs> it's that I think I don't like most people. <coughs> I don't I think most people are stupid. That sounds bad, but I do because I think people lack common sense. I think when we speak to one another, some, for some reason, we throw common sense out the window and say things that are supposed to sound right. Even though when it's coming out your mouth, you know it sounds stupid. Uh-huh. And people don't even retract the statement. They just keep going with it and keep going with it as long as the other person agrees with it. Gotcha. And, and that just pisses me off. So I really want to be in somebody's head to, to figure out what they are really thinking. Did Where they really want to say that yeah. or did they not? <laughs> So yeah.
0: Um if you could talk to anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Um who would it be and
1: why? I want to talk to Nelson Mandela. Ooh, good one. Um, and I would want I guess I I have this question. So um I wanna know. During those years in prison, like, was it, I don't know, how 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 he just dealt with all those years in prison, I guess, in general. Like, how, because I can't conceive of it. My son and I were talking about this the other day. I can't, in my mind, I can't see being in some little space for
0: that, for years and years and for decades. I can't see that. It reminds me of the Viktor Frankl story. You remember that? Well, he was in Jewish. A, yeah, he was a, a psychi- psychologist in, in the concentration camps and right. how, his, right. how his whole family got killed and he just had to he was yes. basically just processing that, you know, today is a better day and just kept thinking, like, he yeah. the way that he would think about his situation was just very positive and objective versus the reality of how terrible and horrible it was, right. Right. you know. Um, if you could change anything in world history, what would you change and why? I mean, the most obvious thing
1: is the transatlantic slave trade. I mean, <laughs> that's affected my life, everybody's life. So Some
0: people don't choose that. that. So it may be the obvious thing, but other people have chosen other things.
1: <laughs> that would be it. That would be it. Why? Because it's affected every life. It The repercussions of the slave trade will never end. This world will come and go, and we will still be
0: feeling it. How do you think blacks would be—how do you think blacks would have been a—how do you think socially or— Well, I don't
1: believe as many black people would be here in the United States. Got you. So I believe that we would be— It would be
0: kind of like going to Switzerland, where it's just primarily white. Yeah, and we'd be
1: um, thriving in our own
0: way. But I don't believe so many black people would be here. Yeah. Uh, If you can go back and have a conversation with your 16-year-old self, what would you say? 16. And I stole that question from Oprah. 16.
1: Um...
0: 16 was good. That was a good year. 16, I would say. But if you could tell, if you can go back to her, like you've lived all this life now, right? Right. Up until the point that you are. If you could go back and tell her something that she's going to need to know mm-hmm. for living all this life, what is that thing you would tell her? Like, hey, heads up. Right. Don't blah, 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 or heads up. Be sure to X, Y, Z. Like, what would that thing be if you were to give her a heads up? Um, Heads up, I would say...
1: I would say you don't have to, uh, uh, let me see, I was saying. I'm going to let oh, you finish. Sorry. I'm going to
0: let you finish the question.
1: Um, <laughs> it, people say I'm very like uh, straightforward. Don't ever stop being straightforward. Because I stopped that for a while because people would say, you are too candid. And mm-hmm. so I pulled way back. And so I wouldn't say anything. And I would tell her, be candid all the time. Don't ever hold back. Say what you feel because I never was saying it with any, you know, maliciousness like you're saying. Any malice. Um, but yeah, I would say be candid. Don't don't stop. Yeah. Don't
0: stop be candid. Thank you so very much RC Riley for Thank coming you. on to my podcast. podcast today. Do you have anything that you want to plug tell people where you can be found and where to see you next and all of that good stuff.
1: Yes. Yeah, so everybody can check me out on Facebook. I'm not so good with all that other stuff. I can only manage two things at a time. So <laughs> <on> <laughs> Facebook RC Riley or my Runway Journey Facebook page and um, definitely check the Runway Journey Facebook page for upcoming events. I will be doing some storytelling events in March and then in April I I'll be at two college campuses. So I'll post all the details on that Runway Journey Facebook
0: page. Nice. Thanks again for coming out. I truly appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Hey, guys. So this has been our podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and, yeah, check me out on my website, kellyhowber.com. I want to thank our sponsors, she Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say.